Fueled by the Outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Brought to you by the Elite Outdoors. Making time to do this tonight. Yeah, Yeah. thanks for both of you guys doing this. So let's let's do a podcast here, guys. So whoop, whoop. All right. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. We're your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. What's up, guys? And tonight we're joined by Josh Luck. Hey, everyone. Hello, everybody. And Eric Grippa. And uh, we have been, uh, as we talked the past couple of weeks, we've been assembling kind of a team of people to really start bringing more content uh, to Fueled by the Outdoors, whether it be um, internet content, pictures, video, production stuff. And uh, these two gentlemen are two of the guys that have been integral in us really kind of getting stuff up and going and having lots of content that you guys are going to be able to see over the uh, coming months. But enough of me uh, uh, kind of talking them up. I'll let them do that themselves. So uh, who wants to go first? Who wants to kind of give their, their, uh, their whole life story? Let's go with, uh, let's go with Josh Locke first. <laughs> All righty. You're up, Josh. So oh, tell yeah. us about your background in the outdoors and how uh, you came to be. Not not literally how you came to be like in this world. Oh, like that's, that's you, we don't want to hear that story. <laughs> <laughs> like how you how you came to like come in contact with Chris and all that kind of stuff. Should have went in a sock. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess I've got my start in the outdoors, just like most other people. My father uh, introduced me to the outdoors at a young age. Um, it's kind of odd. He, he didn't get into hunting in the outdoors until he was, I think, 17 or 18. We picked it up from some friends, uh, but he enjoyed it enough to where he passed it along to me and my brother. Um, but he had me shooting a bow from a young age. I think I had a little Fred Bear longbow. I remember shooting in the yard. And uh, let's see, I took my first uh, my hunter safety course at the age of 10. I killed my first deer it was a doe at the age of i think 11 or 12 with a bow um and then from there i was just ate up with it nice Um, yeah i've I've hunted mainly southern ohio my whole life um only recently have i started traveling outside of of ohio um but yeah that's kind of the general gist what uh what kind of animals have you taken in the hunting world tell us a little bit about uh, what you've done, what you've caught as far as fishing, maybe places you've traveled to backpack and hike and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> with the bow, so I'm, I'm mainly a bow hunter. I don't gun hunt too often. Um, I'll, I'll gun hunt for a small game, uh, turkey and rabbit. Um, but with a bow, I've taken obviously white-tailed deer. I've taken uh, wild boar down in Florida. I took my first antelope last year in Wyoming with my bow. Um, that's about the only big game that I've taken with my bow. As far as fishing, I'm not a huge fisherman. I do enjoy fishing, mainly farm ponds, bass, uh, catfishing, stuff like that. Uh, what was the other part of your question, Chris? You're, uh, I feel like you went on an epic oh, backpacking yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my wife and I like to travel together. So um, let's see. It's a good thing. Yes, yes. Two years ago, uh, I think the best hike I've ever been on two years ago, um, we went to Peru. And hiked in the Andes. Oh wow! Yeah, so that was that was a good time. We stayed in uh, Cusco. Uh, we went and saw Machu Picchu. 
And then we went to this place called the Rainbow Mountains and hiked up mm -hmm. the mountains, which was awesome. And then um, we did a hike to this place called Laguna Umantai. Um, up in the sails, you can get into this crystal, like clear blue lake. And it's just from this glacier runoff, and it was awesome. Um, but other than that, we try and get out and hike, you know, around southern Ohio. I think our next trip right. is to plan to go to the gorge in Kentucky. Nice. For some reason, we have yet to go there, uh, but that's definitely on our list. And then I know in the next couple of years, we want to go out west to some of the national parks and do some hiking. Oh, yeah. That's that's awesome, man. Well, we're, uh, we're really glad to have you on tonight and super glad to have you as a part of the team. For those that don't know, um, Josh also runs our Instagram page and uh, does a fairly decent job at that as well. Um, he's definitely helped us a lot in that area. Um, so we're, we're pretty excited to have him on board and we uh, we've just started to dabble a little bit together, filming each other and stuff. He may, I mean, really, I guess, I don't know if I've even got the opportunity to film you yet. You've either filmed me or we've been together filming Luke or something like that. So, yeah, um, I filmed you and Luke. I don't think you've been with me where I was yeah. just talking you were filming yet. Yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten that opportunity yet, but it is going to happen soon, my brother. Oh yes it will. It'll happen this season. Hell yeah, it will. Um so uh there's there's our our guy Josh. Now we're gonna move on to uh Mr. Eric Grippa. Um I have known Grip as we all call him. Uh, I don't even know who Eric would actually be. Um, <laughs> we call him Grip. So uh, I have known Grip since 2012, I believe. Um, Might have been 2013. Um, we were out on a bow hunter warm-up shoot, basically. Had our hunting rigs. And uh, this is well before I got into competition archery. Um, and... We were just out having a good time, and then all of a sudden I get to talking to this guy, and he shows me pictures of uh, some accomplishments that he's that he's done that I'll let him talk about. But uh, been buddies ever since, and have uh, enjoyed shooting together and and hanging out and having beers Definitely. and all kinds of stuff. So, uh, Grip, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Uh, well, um, I similar to Josh, um, I've been uh, involved in the outdoors at a very young age. Um, my father took me to get my hunter safety, uh, safety class at the age of 11. Um, now guys, I, I was going to ask Chris, am I the senior citizen of the group? Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go that far. How old are you? I'm 50. You're 50. Yeah. Um, well, are, are you older than Bob Walker? I think you are, but I don't know. Um, I sure do feel older than Bob. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, but uh, so when I passed it at 11, that was, well, probably before, uh, I don't know, maybe before some of you guys were even born. Um, yeah. Yeah, thanks. That makes me feel much better. Um, yeah, all of us. Sorry, we love Now, you. of course, that was back, and I believe you you guys have touched on this on previous podcasts, you know, that was back before deer were numbered um, mm -hmm. where they are today. Uh, so, yeah. you know, and I even, I even heard uh, on one of the podcasts I was listening to a while back where people would comment on, you know, when you saw a deer, it was, it was 
very noteworthy. You know, you remembered it. You talked about it. You told everybody. Yeah. And yeah, it was a big deal. Today, it's almost uh, you almost talk more about when you don't see them than when you do see them. They're, yeah. They're so mm-hmm. yeah. they're so prevalent today. But my dad was uh, upland game, primarily a rabbit hunter, and uh, nice. he we had beagles and we hunted with them when I was young. And as many things are in nature, you know, the dogs got old and I got older and went away to school. And as the ecosystem works, the deer numbers really started to increase and deer being the voracious uh, vegetarians that they are, they ate up a bunch of rabbit cover and we started to see the rabbit population drop. And so we kind of got away from rabbit hunting and then I went away to school and then the deer numbers started going up and uh, the, I can remember sitting at a, uh, a wedding reception of a friend of ours, listening to a, a buddy of mine who had been a long time bow hunter, uh, talk about this, this large buck that he had shot. And I was just on the edge of my seat, captivated at this story. And I thought that sounds like something I, I, I want to, I would like to try. And I shot a bow as a kid, but again, you know, the, the deer numbers weren't there. It never even dawned on me that you could bow hunt. You know, we hunted rabbits with shotguns and whatnot. And I loved shooting that little bow that I had. And then, you know, as, as I got older and we started doing the rabbit hunting thing, you know, I kind of got away from it. But when he was telling me that story, I was just, I was hooked and I hadn't even been in the woods yet. And I remember looking at him saying, man, if I pick up a bow, you know, will you, will you teach me a little bit about how to the proper way to shoot and so on and so forth. And he took me under his wing that first season. We hunted together a little bit and he kind of pointed me in the right direction. And then uh, the first day I was in a stand and I saw a deer, man, I was, I mean, it was a a doe and her twins on opening day at about 40 yards. And you would have thought, I mean, I was, I was shaken. I was hooked. I mean, it was, it was, (laughs) you know, it, it, you have to experience it to understand it, I would have to say. And uh, that was, let's see, I was probably, I was 21 uh, when I started, when I first started hunting deer. And then, and so that was, that was a little see if I do the math. That was, that was a long time ago. So <laughs> I have, uh, you know, I have uh, close to 30 bow seasons uh, under my belt. Wow. Um, and I still love it. Uh, you know, I don't, I know I the way I hunt and the way things are have changed for me over the over the years. That first year I had one tree stand and that was where I hunted. Didn't matter morning, evening, wind. Uh yep. it didn't matter. That when I had an opportunity yeah. to go, I went and sat in that tree. And I got busted a lot. You know, I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> uh, As we all do. <laughs> but there were sometimes, you know, the deer hunting gods smiled upon me and and uh, I was able to connect on a few. Um, and like I said, I've been hunting uh, primarily here in Ohio. I did, uh, I did get an opportunity to hunt in Kentucky a couple of times. And I hunted in Michigan twice over Christmas break. But uh, my chosen career puts a serious limit on when and where I can go during a hunting season. So um, that pretty much keeps me at home. I am a competitive archer as well, as Chris was alluding to. Um, I started shooting competitively uh, at the national, the state and national level 
um, in started in, I believe, 1997 and have pretty much been to just about every IBO event since then. I took a hiatus there uh, when my son was uh, doing the baseball thing and I kind of got away from mm -hmm. it for a few years, but I'm, I'm back into it now. And uh, as Chris mentioned, um, I have had some success. I won the world championships in 2012 um, in MBR class. If you're an IBO person, you know what that means. Um, and I've been on the, I took second a couple years ago and I think in 09, I took third. So, um, I, I have had some, some minor success on the, on the, uh, archery front. Heck yeah. So, um, I don't know if that was you do a little bit of fishing too. I do. Um, right before yeah. I got into archery, uh, a friend of mine, best man at my wedding, uh, was a big bass fisherman and he liked to fish the tournaments. And so we would fish a lot of buddy tournaments. So I was there in the late eighties, early nineties. I was, you know, I was all about the bass fishing and mm -hmm. because I had a good friend with a boat that made it a lot easier. Uh, hmm. And then that's right about the time I, I got into, I, I started to dabble into archery and it quickly, it, it shifted gears. I kind of, the more I got into archery and bow hunting, the more I kind of got away from bass fishing and, and it, it just kind of morphed into, you know what, this is what I'm going to spend my time and money on. And, and I just kind of didn't fish a lot anymore. And now I, I've recently picked it back up. Not, not anything like I was doing the tournaments and all that stuff. We just, you know, I've got a 12 foot fishing kayak and me and uh, a guy that I coach with will, will meet up and go out and, and do our little fishing trips out of our small personal crafts or we'll fish farm ponds around the bank, that kind of stuff. So. Okay. All right then. Well, nice. So at least you're getting out still and, you know, dabbling in each, each realm yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, definitely. And to try to compete with Josh and his really cool Peru story. Uh, when he mentioned the, <laughs> when he mentioned the crystal water, now this doesn't have anything to do with uh, hunting or fishing, but it is outdoors. Um, the last undergraduate class that I took was uh, marine biology. I, mm -hmm. I spent 14 days in San Salvador Island in the Bahamas. And oh, man. We snorkeled every day for 14 days. I mean, and it <sighs> sounds was, terrible. It, yeah, it was. It was. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't wait to leave. It was so bad. But it was when he talked about the crystal clear blue water. I mean, it was it just shows you that you don't you don't have to hunt or fish to enjoy the outdoors. You know, you can, no, not at all. You, like thousand. Percent. I mean, I the I still to this day will tell my students stories about things that I did and I saw on that trip in the Bahamas and just how crystal clear blue the water was and and all the fish that we saw and, and just mm -hmm. how awesome it was to, to have that opportunity. You know, th that's a good point, and I don't ever think about that, but there's there's opportunities for. Uh, you know, high school students, college students, and that kind of stuff. Or, you know, if you're looking at going and just taking a class. When I was in high school, uh, we did science fairs. I don't even know if they still do them or not. But um, one of the things that I would uh, do is I would get to the um, – I had, like, a, a reoccurring, like, science fair project every year over erosion. And, like, when you get to that point, like, you go to regionals or you go to county, regional, and you go to state, once you get to, like, <clears throat> the state level – you could start like applying for scholarships and stuff. And Ohio state um, 
for anybody who doesn't know, they have a, a lab on Lake Erie, yeah. it, right in the middle of Putin Bay. Yeah. So if you know what Putin Bay is, the fact that there is a essential college campus in the middle of that is kind of nuts. Uh, but I won two scholarships, two different times to go up there, one for um, aquatic biology and another one for uh, botany. And the aquatic biology class was essentially you go out on a boat all day, you throw out lines in, or nets, you catch fish, you take them back, you learn about them, you dissect them. And then the botany class was essentially a foraging class that I got to take for college. And it, it's like your, your, your final, your final uh, exam was, okay, you have to identify these things, but then you have to make dinner out of whatever you foraged. So it's like, nice go and find like Queen Anne's lace or like, like carrots and that kind of stuff and chicory and all those different types of things. And then you had to make, you know, dinner, which I mean, it was pretty awesome. So there, I mean, there are opportunities like that out there for people who are listening to, to do that kind of stuff. And, you know, don't be afraid to take those classes, especially uh, if you have the availability to do them too. There are, there, you know, I still, still like whenever I'm walking through the woods, I'm like, Oh, I learned that that's staghorn sumac and I can like take everything off that and, make tea out of it or whatever and it's it's helpful yeah definitely so man you guys are so cool <laughs> i feel like a loser when i talk to you guys thanks <laughs> you've been so, out west you've hiked the mountains you've sh- yeah, yeah, but i just i don't know man every time i talk to one of you guys i'm just kind of like what he said talking to his buddy about his buck encounter i'm just like ah. Oh. <laughs> Just listen, like you could just talk about this forever, and I think it's the coolest. Um, well, I've never, so, I've never been elk hunting, so uh, you know, yeah, you got that on. That I have either. I technically haven't either. I went bow hiking. <laughs> um, I accidentally found some elk somehow that were against basically everything that anybody ever told me. They were like. Yeah, you go out there, you're going to have to go way back in there. You're not going to find elk in meadows. You got to get away from the trails. And me and Will walk up on this freaking gargantuan cow. She had to be around 500 pounds or more. She was huge. She was huge laying down. And she had three babies that, that were all bigger than our, like, big deer. So they were at about 100 yards, and they were bedded in a meadow about 40 yards off of a trail. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I just thought, wow. (laughs) And those are the only elk in two trips and 1300 bucks in tags. Those are the elk that I've seen. Colorado. Thanks you for your donation. Oh dude. I had a guy walk up and shake my hand and thank me for my donation. Thanks for for coming out and hunting, man. It does. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> I, I was listening to um Aaron Snyder talk about it on a on a podcast and he's like he when he talks to people like who are going out for their first time, like, yeah, man, I'm going out 14 days backpacking in the woods. He yep. goes, Well, you're really gonna go for three. Um, because yep. <laughs> the excuses are gonna start flying. And yep. because after about two days of hiking, uh, you're gonna realize that your body isn't made for that kind of stuff and you need to get uh trained and you need to get ready to go and do those type of things. And you know, Colorado, Colorado loves it. You know, you go out there and, you know, you dump the money and it's an over-the-counter state, but it's, you know, what's more important to you the first couple of times you go out an adventure or, you know, the meat is nice, but, you know, you can go out there and hike and have a 
hell of a vacation doing that kind of stuff too. I, I will say that there's very few things that I'm, I don't want to say that I'm okay with not having success because I was pretty pissed, but at the same rate, um, you just get like watery. I just looking around. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you, you can't believe that something could be so beautiful. And it's almost like it, you understood why people back in the day in the 1800s were, they'd see pictures and they'd be like, guys, I'm see you. I got to go. Mm-hmm. I got to go West. And then, you know, became mountain men and trappers and, you know, the whole nine and, you know, 49ers or, you know, whatever. But, um, I will say that it was a hell of an experience. You learn a lot about yourself. Um, the second go around, we were having trouble getting on animals. We didn't hear anything. We didn't see anything. Everything was super dry. And I had this spot picked out where I had this big drainage. And we had went into a smaller drainage where we'd found a little creek and there were some wallows in there. And I thought, man, if this is here, this isn't even on the map. If this is here, I'll bet that over there is like a freaking oasis. And that's where my elk are. So I had my buddy drop me off at the base of this mountain. And all evening, I climbed up what I thought was about four-fifths of the way. I thought I had a few hundred-yard walk. <laughs> <laughs> I got up. I was, I'm not that great at waking up early in the morning, especially after hiking all night the night before. So I woke up, which by the way, my camp, as I'm by myself in the middle of nowhere, we're an hour and 15 minutes from any cell reception. Doesn't matter if you get to the top of the mountain, you're not getting cell reception. You're, you're out there. So that said, my tent was a rain fly and two trekking poles. And then I had a rain fly underneath me and I had a, uh, you know, a sleeping bag and all that, but um, not a whole lot to stop predatory animals. So I kind of reluctantly slept with my pistol in my right hand under my pillow. So, which my pillow was my sweatshirt, um, my jacket, but uh, I woke up the next morning got everything packed up and everything filmed a little bit of it with my phone and I'm hiking and I'm hiking. Keep in mind, you know, it's pitch black middle of nowhere and there's deadfall just everywhere. It sucks in the daylight, let alone in the dark. So I'm just, I just keep tracking and keep tracking and keep tracking. And dude, finally I'm like, where in the hell is the top of this mountain? I looked at on X shit, man. I, I had like literally almost three quarters of a mile, something crazy to go. Now, keep in mind, this is diagonal. This isn't straight up, but because um, I was going to a certain spot. And of course, going straight up's crazy. Um, as the daylight broke, I crested the top of this hill and I'm finding all these big rubs with tree sap in them on these pine trees. And I'm like, dude, this is, I'm going to kill an elk in the middle of nowhere and it's going to suck, but it's going to be the most epic adventure I'll ever do in my life. So I go down into this meadow 
and I'm finding elk droppings, but they're dry. So I lay there and I'm glassing and I fell asleep. <laughs> then all the elk like, walked like by amazing, you while you were asleep. Probably. Um, amazing nap, by the way. And uh, I wake up and do some more glassing. Then I, I drop elevation a little bit to go down to this creek to refill my water uh, supply and everything with my water filter. And I'm finding these bare scratch marks. Like you can tell clearly that a bear came up and just, it's not like people think where they just like scrape the tree. They freaking rip a chunk of bark Mm -hmm. and the bark is like, uh, I would compare it to like a beech tree um, on these aspens. So like there's probably a half inch of this hard exterior shell. It's not like a maple or oak where you could peel the bark off. I mean, it's just a hard shell basically. And you could see where this bear was just like, I think I'll rip this part of the tree out now. (laughs) And he did it. So I'm kind of looking around like, Oh shit. So I dropped down to this Creek and there wasn't a drop of water anywhere. It was dry. (laughs) So I think, well, I, this sucks. I, and, and I, I just went down a steep hill. So going up, it is just, not going to be a great time so i thought i'll walk up this drainage and that'll be easier walking well after a while i'm getting short on water and i come upon this elk wallow and you could just barely see the tiniest little swirls from where a tiny underground spring was sort of feeding this little spot you could see like the ground clearly collected water and the elk recognized this and dug a wallow. And that's where I got my drinking water for the rest of the day and the water that I used to cook my lunch. Now, keep in mind, this is all filtered. So I was going to say, you weren't drinking elk piss, were you? Uh, I mean, technically, yes, <laughs> but it was filtered elk piss. So there's a difference. But uh, yeah, I it literally took me all day. So that was going to be like a two, two and a half day adventure. And then I would meet up with them and then figure out what we were going to do. Well, it's drier than hell. Uh, I have no idea where water is at this point because the, basically a river that, you know, a really good stream um, did not exist anymore. And I didn't want to take a chance, you know, getting far in and not having, any kind of water. So I spent the entire rest of the day getting back to camp and I got, I met the guys basically right at dark. They, they came down. My, the, the drill was, I forget how many times, but when I got back to the road, I had to dump like two I shots into the air. <laughs> I think like I heard boom, that. Boom, and they would, they'd come look for me. So, um, so anywho, uh, yeah, that may th- make me sound a little cool. I hope I can at least compete with some of this uh, South American Bahama stuff. But, uh, yeah, we got some cool stuff lined up for you guys, though. Um, what uh, what kinds of things are you boys going to be doing? Josh, you got uh, any trips yeah. planned? So, <clears throat> I believe Luke talked about it. This isn't necessarily a trip out of state or anything. It'll be a trip up north. But I know Luke had talked about it on the last yeah. podcast. So him and I scouted some public land on this past Sunday. Um, so we're thinking about doing a public land challenge uh, opening weekend of Ohio's deer season. 
Um, so that'll be a trip up north, northern Ohio that is. Um, and then as far as out of state, the only trip I have planned at the moment is uh, whitetail hunting in Oklahoma. Uh, so I will actually be there the first week of November. I'm pretty excited for that one. Nice. So with, with, the, with the public land scouting, um, what did you guys tend to see up north? Because I know what, I mean, I've been seeing down here, but what's, you know, what are you guys seeing up there? Was it, was it good? Was it bad? How was the mass? That kind of stuff. It was actually pretty awesome. So I am brand new to public land, essentially. Uh, Chris actually popped my public land cherry this past spring uh, <laughs> when we were turkey hunting. Uh, so I grew up with like horror stories when I was younger. I grew up around uh, yeah. East Fork. And then I just remember, you know, I, I feel like that's the, the term orange army. I feel like it originated from East Fork during gun season. So I just remember hearing horror stories. I had a, a distant cousin of mine actually get, I think, I think he might've been at East Fork. He got shot in the face one year. Uh, he, he survived but had to have a lot of surgery. So I was never about public land hunting until I met some of you guys. But I tell you what, after scouting some of the places that we scouted and been, and been to some of the places we've been, most of it better than any of the private stuff I've ever seen. So there's yeah. little reason yeah. for me to, you know, overhunt my private spots, especially really see just waiting there until Agreed. the time's right. Agreed. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> it's man, yeah. That it, I I just had to touch on it. Like so many people, and uh, I don't want to get too deep into this spiel because <laughs> you, we do it know, every the, week. <laughs> well, no, it's just so I had some conversations online today, and I. I get bothered by people. I shouldn't let it bother me, but you get the private land guys that act, you know, a little snooty. And then you get what, what amazes me is public land. People think that it's like some sort of thing that no private land guy could ever do, you know, to kill a, a big buck or a Turkey or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So I'm talking to these guys and they're comparing these uh, more famous hunters, like the, the Dan and faults of the world versus like the, the Lee Lakowski's. And I'm like, well, you know, why can't they both be great at what they do instead right. of like, this guy's just amazing because he's only public land, even though he's not only public land. Um, you know, Lee Lakowski and the juries, they did a lot. It, that'd be like talking shit about Levi Morgan. Yeah. You know, Levi Morgan, like him, love him, hate him, whatever. Dude's done a lot for the game of archery and, and educated people. Same with Tim Gilliam. So um, to, to knock those guys is just stupid. Yeah. So anywho, uh, what blows my mind though, is just like you, I always heard these horror stories. There's people everywhere and you know, all this and dude, the first like 12 hunts on public land, I didn't see a human being. And the one time that I did see a guy, I respected him because homie kayaked a good way to get where (laughs) I walked. (laughs) He didn't just end up there. So, um, I, I mean, there are, you know, we probably shouldn't say this shit because uh, there's going to be a bunch more people, you know, seems like there's more and more all the time, but, uh, it is, um, it is something that you can do. And, uh, I would recommend it to anybody because, you know, I'll give you a perfect example. Travis Moose, buddy from Kansas. Um, he's going to Nebraska with us 
and he was out there taking pictures of these mule deer and everything. And uh, beforehand, he was up in some mountains looking for mule deer, and dude couldn't find a mule deer to save his life, but he found a 100-inch whitetail. Now, keep in mind, this guy has like four deer that are at 180 mm-hmm. or so. You know, I, I could be low or high by one, uh, about four that are in the 70s, and then multiple deer in the 50s and 60s and 40s. And I, He's a giant killer. He kills giant deer. He's not picking up his bow for a 160-inch deer generally. Um, so that said, although I'll kill myself if he does that to us this year. Um, so that said, he was telling me it was so funny because while he's done public land before, I don't think he's ever done it for deer. Um, <clears throat> so he got insanely jacked over a hundred inch whitetail and he was laughing. He's like, dude, I got brow tines that look bigger than that deer. And I was like, I'd shoot that freaking thing in a New York minute, you know? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's neat. It's an adventure. It's some of the pressure of the inches and you know, all that stuff. It, it all goes away and you're just back to what you did when you were young and, and having fun mm-hmm. again. And it can be about buddies instead of, well, I got this big deer over here. I can't tell a freaking soul, you know, it's, it's awesome. So anywho, you're welcome for me interrupting so, you. Go ahead. Back to Rick's <laughs> original point as far as, terrain and like terrain in that up north uh it's it's some parts are very similar to southern ohio you got those hilly parts and some rolling valleys and stuff but i tell you what this place that we went up north i think it's a total of like fifteen thousand acres so we only scouted a very small portion of it but luke and i during turkey season when we were there we walked back off this road probably at least a mile or so um along these like ridge tops and where these power lines were and all these openings. And then we get to an area and it looks like you were out West, like you were in Nebraska or somewhere. Like as I have pictures of it. I, I think I might've posted it to the Facebook page a while ago, but you, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, we didn't get a chance to scout it on Sunday, but I wish we would have, because I feel like it could be a potential buck nest because there's just cover I mean, the deer have everything there. They could see for miles away. They could have the wind in their favor and then, you know, see anything coming up on them. And it's just the perfect spot for them. But it, it looks like something you see in Nebraska, just like rolling hills and just open grass or a creek with just like one tree line down the middle. It was, it was pretty awesome. It's awesome, man. Good so deal, man. before we get into anything else, um, what kind of beer or drink is everybody drinking? Uh, high life tonight for me. The uh, the bourbon. It's midweek, so bourbon is not. Is not <laughs> yeah, you all have heard Rick on bourbon before. <laughs> he really does. I didn't give away a specialty spot. Like it's it's a lake. Like I didn't say go to this exact spot on the lake and go catch stripers or anything go like to that. Sixty three point two degrees west longitude. <laughs> well, I have uh, my first day back tomorrow. Actually, oh, my boy. first day back for quite a long time. Uh, so I'm just sipping on on a nice cool uh, Coors Light tonight for me. Nice. So. nice. I'm rocking. This is a, a Bob Walker special. He's my new best friend, by the way. Tell Will. Um, <laughs> sweet Baby Java. Oh, man, that sounds good. It's infused 
with espresso beans, chocolate, and peanut butter. And it is a porter. And it, that doesn't sound that great. Uh, it, it, it sounds real good. good. Have you ever had? It's pretty um, good. So to diverge for a second, um, have you ever had uh, Listerman Brewing Company's uh, uh, nut case? Yes. Oh. Oh my gosh, man! It's, it sounds delicious. I'm it's assuming it's ridiculous. a brown. Like, uh, sounds make, great. Make sure when they release it, make sure you get one. Um, it's a peanut butter porter, and uh, it is it is fantastic. Fantastic. Every few years, my wife gets me a craft brewery tour as a uh, Christmas present. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. and, and one of our stops one year was the Listerman Brewery. And I'm pretty sure uh, that they had that one on tap for us. And after your, after your first couple stops, it gets a little <laughs> foggy of which <laughs> beer you have sampled and which one you, uh-huh. you know, they all kind of run together. But it is a really, it's a really cool thing. They drive you around and, you know, you sample a lot of the local craft breweries. So I'm pretty nice. sure I had that one on that tour. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 that's a tasty one. What do you got, Josh? Brown and Sprite. A little bit of here. Nice. I need to pour myself another Nice. <laughs> <laughs> this is going so, to get hey, That reminds me. I need another one. <laughs> So Eric, like, what what are you doing? Uh, obviously, was like everything getting back in swing for you. But what are you doing to prepare for upcoming deer season? And um, what are you seeing out in the woods or anything along those lines right now? Well, um, my um, what I like to do is I don't I well I've got three. I'm a private land guy. Um, I have hunted public a couple times. One experience was on East Fork. And it did not go well for me. Uh, the few times I went, um, I did see lots of people. Mm-hmm. And I went early in the bow season and I went in November and I went once during gun season and I was very scared. Um, so uh, I didn't go back. Now, my other public hunting, I'm kind of going off on a tangent. My other public hunting experience was in Huron National Forest outside of Glenny, Michigan. Okay. And um there was no one around and we were up there over my Christmas break. So it was really cold and the only, there was two foot of snow on the ground and the only people uh, that we saw were snowmobilers just to give you an idea. Um, And, and I would go back and, and hunt that spot again, uh, do something like that just because it was a totally different thing. But for me, um, I have a couple different uh, private chunks of land, nothing real big. Um, I'm fortunate enough to to have a, a pretty good deer herd right outside my door. Oh, nice. Um, I'm able, I'm on 10 and a half acres uh, here and I'm surrounded by prime white tail habitat. So um, I usually will get something, usually a freezer filler here behind the house. Um, and my preseason stuff, I like to set out trace mineral blocks Okay. Uh, on stumps and, um, Number one, the does are going to hit them all the time because of their uh, the the nutrient draw that's on them nursing their fawns, mm-hmm. and I get a lot a lot of pictures of does. But every few days, the the bucks will come in, and of course they have the huge draw on their nutrients, growing those antlers. Yes, um, they do hit those. Uh, one of the things I like to do um, is put the mineral block on a stump. And then they'll, they'll lick the stump and the ground around the stump and the blocks last a lot longer. 
Um, and so that I makes run a lot more sense. I never even thought of doing something like that. Most of the time, you know, um, you see guys throw those down like on the ground and then yeah. you end up with a huge stinking hole in the yeah. middle of a field or in the middle of the woods or something. And it's like, well, now you gotta, I mean, you got a huge thing there. That's, you know, a hazard at that point. There's an old Elm stump that I have here behind the house that I have used as a mineral block holder for probably 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it is starting to resemble a huge mushroom because of where <laughs> they have eaten and licked all of the, the wood around the stump. Uh -huh. I mean, they'll, I mean, they will lick the block, but as it rains on it and it runs down, it, it seeps into that wood. They'll, they'll lick the wood similar to if you've ever been to horse farm, you know, they lick on the treated lumber in the fence. Yeah. Yeah. You'll see where they've, where it looks like they've taken bites out of the, out of the fencing. Same thing happens with this stump. It, I mean, it looks like they're eating the stump and the, the mineral blocks last a lot longer. And I get lots and lots of pictures there. Mm -hmm. um, I do, I'll run a feeder here and, but I usually don't start it until August. Mm -hmm. And, and then on my other spot, um, the other farm that I'm fortunate enough to hunt, I, I don't, um, I don't feed them a lot simply because I just can't get there enough. Again, with my chosen career, I'm definitely a yeah. weekend, a weekend warrior. Um, but I do run cameras, uh, out there. I do have the mineral blocks out there as well. And, uh, I just kind of see who's coming to, who's coming through the property. And I put a few on my list for various reasons. And then, uh, if they show then on, luckily on one of the days I happen to be there, then good for me. If not, then, you know, I'll, I'll have a, a buck tag sandwich. That doesn't bother me. So. <laughs> No, nothing wrong with eating tag soup every once in a while. No, I've, I've done it many times. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an important thing for people to, you know, we were talking about this at the start of this is like, you're going to do that every once in a while. Um, I think I said last, uh, last week when we, when we were sitting down talking last year was the first time in Ohio, probably in 20 years where I haven't killed a, uh, haven't killed a deer yeah. um, at, at all. And it's just, you know, due to I had opportunities I didn't take them and I was looking for something different uh you know one of those things and I'm only really hunting Ohio maybe five total days out of the year because I go on a, I go on a bow trip but I do uh, well I, I guess it's maybe more like closer to 10 because I do muzzleloader um up there as well but my prime muzzleloader spot is is no longer existent to me as a Ugh. out of stater at least um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things, you know, <clears throat> you, you mentioned the, the bad experience on public land out at East Fork and there's certain places where, um, you know, you're, you're going to have that. And, and I, yeah. and I think that that is, that is common at some places, especially in Ohio, I mean, Ohio it gets published in every stinking magazine an online article known to man like go to ohio cheap tags and you know they got big deer and people look for public land there and then they go to a you know hawking you go to hawking hills or vinton county um every trailhead every pull-off you yep. know trucks from south carolina maine massachusetts everywhere that you could possibly think of 
everyone's flooded in there. And then you got the local guys coming in right after that, you know, orange army guys clean up the mess. Like <laughs> it's left over that, you know, those deer have been in a, have been locked down for, for a while. But, you know, I think that uh, as we get closer to the season, it, it, it's helpful to, to know stuff like the, like simple things like putting putting the mineral block on a stump earlier in, in the year versus on the ground. And, you know, st- when to start corn, when to start your food plots, that kind of stuff on private land is super great information because there are going to be guys who have like access to private land and might say, I have no idea what the hell to do here. Like I just put my stand out and I just kind of wait on a path to where I see a game trail and hopefully a deer is going to walk by me and never know that if you just do like one small thing differently, you know, you're going to be, you know, wonderfully rewarded. Yeah. And for me, the, uh, the private land that I have, if you put all three of the properties together, you know, my place here, uh, our family farm and the other farm that I have close to that property, Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere in Southwestern Ohio, um, (laughs) all total, you put them all together, it's less than 200 acres. So I, I understand that, your big mature bucks don't necessarily live there. Mm-hmm. They'll pass through. Yep. And if you give them a reason, they'll, they'll pass through. And that reason may be a doe that happens to live there. Yep. Uh, so I don't, I don't get to, when I was younger, I used to get pretty down in the, down in the mouth about not, uh, not having an opportunity to take a big buck and that kind of stuff. But as mm-hmm. I've gotten older, and I've had uh, some, some successes. It doesn't bother me as much anymore. You know, I, I, to me, the, the whole outdoors, you know, this is called fuel by the outdoors. Uh, when my students ask me about it, I call it my decompression time. I can go out there. Yep. I can go out there and sit in a tree and watch the sunrise and listen to the, listen to the birds sing. And I know it sounds corny you know, and watch the squirrels do their thing. And I can see, you know, a button buck walk by and a little bitty spike grunting and have just as much fun doing that and just watching nature and just enjoying not telling teenagers to get off their phones, uh, (laughs) listening to excuses as to why their work is late. uh, You know, just all of the stuff that I do through the week yeah, uh, that is my time to just go, man, this is nice out here. I really, this is, this, this is a great way to spend my day. And so that's, that's why I'm the weekend warrior. And until I don't blame you one bit. And, you know, I, you know, with, with my chosen profession, like I talk all day and like, I go, me too. Like, I, I, I get, I get to go to the woods and not talk to anybody. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah, have yeah. to, I don't have to deal with anything. I don't <laughs> have to be on my phone. I don't got to like, listen to anybody. It's just like, you know, I, I, when I, this place I used to work, one of the, um, one of the other therapists that were there were like, how, like, so you just like go and you sit in a tree for eight hours. And I'm like, yeah. They go, yeah. What do you do? I'm like, not talk to anybody like listen to the woods wake up like enjoy my peace and quiet by myself so i can just kind of be like ah like it's a recentering thing and then you know 
having an adrenaline dump when you've got and like I I get like buck fever when a doe walks in front of me because I'm like yeah. oh man freezer filler like first thing that pops into my head and it it just like every single time it makes it so enjoyable for me to be yeah. out there and even if I don't see anything like I well if I don't see a deer I will always see something yeah exactly. and that's and I think that's something to take away whenever you go out is it's not necessarily about going out and killing every time, but it, it's just about going and seeing stuff. And I know Chris is laughing at me because I get buck fever over does, but it's the way it is. Well, I do as, <laughs> as soon because, uh, you know, I, I see I'm fortunate enough to be in some very good uh, whitetail habitat kind of areas. And I see a lot of deer and I let a lot of them go by. Just be, for whatever reason, you know, okay, today I'm looking for a buck. So, you know, I let the does go by. Maybe they'll drag a buck by me. Or or sometimes I just look at a doe and go, you know what? I just don't feel like messing with it. I don't feel Agreed. like shooting it. Mm-hmm. I, don't feel, I don't feel like dressing it and dragging it out. You know, I would just rather let it walk on by. And there are, there are so many of them that it just kind of – I'm okay with watching them, and I don't get – I don't get too pumped up when I see them, but as soon as that switch flips that says, I'm going to shoot this one, yep. it is, as you just said earlier, it is an instant adrenaline dump. Even if it is a 110 pound doe, it's, mm-hmm. that's when your fight or flight kicks in and you get that adrenaline flowing. And I tell my kids all the time, my students all the time, if it ever goes away, I'll probably have to find something else to do. Because Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause there's, you know, if if you lose if you lose that feeling, like I mean, at least to me, what are you what are you going out there for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're laughing, Chris. <laughs> it's just that nobody understands. <laughs> uh, Grip, did you by any chance catch the footage of the spring turkey hunt with the? Oh my gosh, turkey? was that with but the? Put- there it is. Shoot it. Run. Go get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot it till it's dead, dude. I think I saw that one. Yeah. So yeah. we're sitting here, and these turkeys come down, as you see, and uh, you know, again, I don't, I don't know anybody's experience or or anything, and everybody's different. Um, but of course, you know, if I see a turkey three hundred yards away, we're going safety off. Like he's coming, safety is off, and uh, I'll never forget telling him to shoot him and i hear it sounded like he jumped off the fridge onto a safety <laughs> i'm like clank hell was that <laughs> and then later on i'm like that was the safety holy shit yeah so but um i'll just oh. never forget the uh you know it, it was like taking my little brother you know like on one of his first hunts he was so like jacked and 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 i'll make fun of him forever but at the same rate uh i'm jealous of that like that i remember that i remember being out of my ever-loving mind when when turkeys would come in especially because they just they always have this like pissed off i'm gonna find you look on on their stupid little faces and i just i don't know they just get me going so uh but it is hilarious to say the least to be fair to be fair the reason that i did not switch my safety off when they are that far out is in my head 
um, I have someone sitting next to me and I need to wait until the bird gets closer as a safety precaution. Now, just good hunter safety. That's what that, is. That, that, that's, that's just like been bored into my head yeah. um, forever. And, you know, I, you know, I, I say that and, you know, I've had like issues in the field before where, um, and it's not been turkey or deer hunting. It's been, it's usually small game hunting where someone makes a oh, yeah. shot and it's like, Hey, um, that's me standing in front of you. <laughs> um, shouldn't be happening or, or, or you're in a dove field and you get peppered by shot. And it's not like, Oh, it's raining down. It's like, Oh shit. That guy just shot right over my head yeah. because he's trying to shoot a dove that's flying, you know, 50 <laughs> yards above me. Yeah. Not, yeah. I mean, not, not, not enjoyable experiences. So like you said, everyone's, everyone gets shaped differently. So. Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, um, I basically, the, the way I was raised, it wasn't like, uh, you know, dad was taking his son and this is a, a special <laughs> moment and all that. Coach Uncle Kenny took me and did <laughs> not miss. You did not spook. You did not screw up. Or you got bitched up one side of the tree and down the other, basically. Um, so mi- missing really never really happened. I, I can remember one and boy i i swore on my life i'd never miss again <laughs> that was hell on earth but um that said uh it, it is funny to listen to you know everybody's experiences and perspectives and stuff and kind of um you know I mean, kind of gain that that gives us a good segue actually into what we were talking about earlier um about ohio putting out that app oh yeah so, you know, yeah, check out, check out that one. That's a, that's a good way to go on into it. Um, Ohio Department of Wildlife uh, put out an app for everyone to kind of go out and download. And it's really, uh, as I was telling Chris earlier, it's pretty intuitive and it's a pretty um, easy to use thing. You uh, think, what, what's it called? Just to be clear, it's called Hunt Fish Ohio. And uh I know some people said like they don't want to turn on the tracking stuff, but you know, it is, I don't know if it's a requirement or whatever, but it does have a map on there. It shows you all the different areas around you, around you so you can hunt, but more importantly, and I think this is the kind of quintessential thing that I wish a lot of uh, game departments would do is you go on there and you hit resources and it gives you all the hunting rigs for hunting and trapping, fishing, wildlife viewing, hunter education, uh, event-wise, all the state park campgrounds and boating regulations for the entire state of Ohio. Not to mention, you can buy all your licenses and permits on there. And it tells you what's expired, what you bought the previous year. Um, and more importantly, it's got a game check system on it which if like, I don't know about you guys, but if, if you've ever used the game, well, I think we've all used it. Um, game check, you know, hotlines, I can't stand them. Um, it's like, press this for this County. And oh, it's like, Kentucky's is so stupid. Well, I mean, it's awful. It was uh, annoying can, last year. Like, well, in the, the bad part about Kentucky's is I think they got rid of it is you had to basically carry a tape measure with you to measure the inside 
um, spread of the antlers. If the deer was under 15, yeah. you had to yeah. hit one thing. It, yeah. I mean, I remember they, that. I'm like, what are you even asking this shit for? They, they explained it at one point on the Kentucky field podcast. And they're saying, well, we're trying to track like, you know, if, if people are shooting or in what part of the state and it's like, they're shooting bucks and does guys like, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. And I realize they want tracking data and that kind of stuff, but you know, find a better way of doing it because I, the last thing I want to do is spend 20 minutes on the phone talking to a robot after I've just shot a deer. And I think right. the last time I did it, what got me was every time it asked you a question and you answered the question, they had you verify your answer to the question. Exactly. And it was oh so irritating. Oh, my God. Oh. You said, Doe, is this correct? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Can we move on, please? Are you saying, <laughs> woo? Are you saying Doe or no? <laughs> I just downloaded the app. Oh, good deal. Nice. Did you see where it says for ages four plus? Yes, it does. <laughs> for ages four plus. <laughs> I wonder if Chris Gilkey invented this app. I, I, I don't That's think that's how that he, amazing he is. Uh, he, he's a he's a pretty I, cool. I hope dude. he hears this. I'm sure I'm sure Officer Gilkey will I'm sure Officer Gilkey will have heard this uh by the time that this comes out. This is gonna be awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna fit a little shit talk into each one of my friends in these <laughs> podcasts. Last week it was Pierce the corn piler. Now you mentioned me in the I heard a whisper of my name, I thought. I can't I can't remember exactly what it was. I mean that podcast last week was close, close to two yeah, and we, a half we hours talked, long. We talked for, we talked for a long time, ever. but and but we think, didn't even talk much about archery with him. That's a thing. Yeah. No, That's we did. The whole reason, like, we just chatted about hunting and buddy stuff, like in like Kentucky. Uh, we didn't even get into like what he's really freaking stupid good at. Yeah. So well, the, part, he will probably go pro in the next couple of years. Yeah. Uh yeah. He's probably yeah. that I mean, he's that good. Yeah. So so Josh, what um you do a lot of habitat stuff if I'm not mistaken on on private land as well. Uh or you were you were doing pictures of you know doing different types of cuts on wood oh. and like that kind of stuff. What what types of things have you done on your private uh properties to to get stuff ready for for the season? So my my family actually just purchased a new property. Well, they, they purchased it last year, I should say. It's where I took my 2019 buck off of. Um, so it's, that was a gorgeous deer, by the way. Well, thank you. Uh, we'll get more into that in a minute, I guess. But uh, So they purchased it at the beginning of 2019, and we had scouted it, I want to say, March or April of 2019. So the property had a lot of good potential. Um, I think we didn't get to do a whole lot on it last year just because uh, my family's still closing on the property and then they were trying to build a house on it, which, which they just finished. Um, but this past spring, I believe in, in March and April again, there was an old, um, an old two track, an old like uh, UTV trail that almost went around the whole property. And it was right in between a transition of hardwoods and thick cover. Uh, Chris, I actually took you on that path. It was okay. it was all overgrown, um, and then so I cleared that out um, this past spring. Um, I left some overhanging branches, hoping it would be used as a scrape line. Um, yeah. The portion that was still open, 
I have multiple scrapes on it. I think I should because there were two or three. So the hope is it'll be a good good route for those bucks during the rut. And then um, that big trail that we walked down on kind of the northeast side of the property that butted up against the neighbor's field, that was all overgrown. We actually had the neighbor come in with a bulldozer and then clear out that path because you couldn't even walk through there. Um, let's see, there's a creek down the middle of the property that we use are now using as our main access, um, cleared a bunch of brush and stuff out of that so that way we could use it and slip in and slip out in a couple places. Um, that's all we've done so far to the property. Uh, the hope is uh, next year we'll put actually a small food plot on it. Um, back in that little cove that I had showed you about, Chris. Yeah. Um, so we planted a couple of apple trees back there, but it's, I don't know, how big would you say that is, Chris? It's not very big, a little cove. Probably two acres, yeah, something like that. That's that. Um, but my father wants to put a food plot back there, so I told him either one will line the edge of it up with more <laughs> apple trees, or two will plot screen it, and then back there we'll put we'll plant um, probably beans or corn. Probably just plant beans or corn because the next closest crop field is a little ways down the road. So. That's, that's kind of all we've done so far. Uh, the other property, the other private property that I hunt with uh, my good buddy Christian, it's actually owned by his grandfather. That That's already uh, a farmland. It's, I think it's 100 acres, but probably 80 to 90% of it is crop field. Um, actually very small parts of it are actually wooded. It's surrounded by a bunch of woods, but the main portion of the land is already cropped. So we don't, we don't do a whole lot of habitat improvement on there. Nice, man. Good deal. Good deal. So, I mean, everybody here, uh, is, I mean, Chris, you are what? I mean, you're, you're leaving in a week, right? Yeah, I don't feel like there's enough time in the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, everybody here um, has uh, plenty of things coming up uh, in terms of life, but also uh, season wise, you know, a, a, as we state every week, um, you know, can, if you're hunting Kentucky, it's coming up. If you're hunting Nebraska, it's coming up. If you're hunting Ohio at this point, we are I mean, what, like a, six weeks away. Yeah. Something I mean, crazy like that. It, Pretty it, close. If, if even that. So, I mean, it, it, it's getting close. I mean, it's getting real, real close, um, to, I mean, prime, you know, just great, great time of the year. And I, I, for it one, is. you know, can't wait, you know, Eric, like you said earlier, you're, you're a weekend warrior. That that's kind of the way I have to operate too. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm just cannot wait to have those, uh, evenings available to me to where I can go out and just sit or even all day, you know, when it gets real cold all day sets, uh, around the start of the season and stuff. And I know Josh, like you said, you're getting ready to do public land challenge opening weekend in Ohio. That's going to be a hell of an experience. I, I, I think as well. Yeah, you should come up for that. Yeah. Um, when, when, when exactly is that opening weekend? What, when is opening weekend? September 26th, September 26th, ah. 2020. <laughs> 
Oh, you're fishing? Oh, okay. I'm fishing that weekend, what, man. That, what's that the is, uh, coordinates of where you're fishing, or have you not um, had enough bourbon it, yet? It's, 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 it's <laughs> called uh, none of your damn business. None you? None you. Oh, Joe Mama's. <laughs> um, so, so, I, uh, southern part of Kentucky. <laughs> on a uh, lake that I talk about in here a lot. <laughs> we, we, should, uh, we should definitely hook up, though. And um, I mean, I'd have no problem even coming down there film you a little bit and just go out on a little public land we, we need to sits. um my rifle needs to eat this year like flat out um let's kill something with the bow first I, i'm talking like i don't want to wait I, you ain't i ain't playing with you in november <laughs> dude you don't come in november that's november that's my that, time. that is november i mean <laughs> yeah i mean the, the, hopefully i'm tagged out well before then I'm well yeah i mean that'd be, that'd be the season that'd be awesome like I'm not, I don't think I'm actually going to hunt my farm that I have until October. Uh, really? Yeah. Um, like I, I sent, I, I've got three decent bucks on camera. Um, that one is a really, really nice one. Um, I'm going to wait mid till mid September, see where he's at uh, in terms of if he's still coming on the property or not, because the way that that, place works as a funnel it works as a big pass through to like two or three other big farms and those bucks really start filtering in late october in that area because the farm that i hunt has a ton of does that start showing up um late september early october and all those bucks just start kind of converging back in there and then they start running that bottom back and forth um and hopefully I, I get lucky and, you know, I'm all there on a day and, and they're going to show up, but um, there's enough land around me. And uh, especially where we went turkey hunting at too. I mean, it wouldn't be a, I don't think it'd be a chore to go out there and uh, find a deer to put in my freezer because. No, um, you could probably find a buck to be happy with there. Oh so yeah, absolutely. Uh, that said your private farm, are you allowed to take people there to like film you or something like that? Or I need to check on permissions for that. Uh, okay. They, they I get the written permission every year and uh, I need to see what they put on in terms of people or anything like that. I don't know that the uh, landowner would have a problem with it. There okay. are, there's one other guy who hunts the complete opposite side of the farm, nowhere near me. So, okay. uh, it's a family farm. I'd have to, I have not, not my family, but like a, it's sure. a work uh, beef farm. So I'd have to check with that kind of stuff. Okay. So fingers crossed. I don't go back and look at my camera this week and all my corns eaten by cows. Like it was last year at this time. Oh, that's always fun. Yeah. It, it was, it was great seeing $60 go straight down the, <laughs> down the toilet. Oh yeah. Uh, Damn, how much corn did you put out? Um, just this past for, to get to get those bucks on camera, um, I only put down a hundred. I put down a hundred pounds, and um, went back. There was still some left, and so I put down. For how long? Uh, only a week. Um, but there's a ton of acorns. Ton of acorns. Right now? Yeah. Uh, like on the ground? Uh, in in the area that there are, there's there's every time every type of damn nut that you can think of up and down through that area <laughs> there's i mean it, it it's ridiculous like it's just it's it's a bottom that goes straight into a bedding area and 
it's just like it's covered in you know pin oaks white oaks chestnut oaks like all this different stuff there is all kinds of browse and that kind of stuff tons of clover out in this big open field um it, it's absurd uh i mean i found wild asparagus there the other day too which i found nice yeah so um hopefully i can you know reroute that and throw it in somewhere and have some have a nice asparagus patch so yeah fingers crossed with that for next spring because my tomatoes cool my tomatoes still suck by the way <laughs> dude don't get me started on gardening <laughs> i have a crp field in the backyard right now yeah i, I saw it the other day hey it pisses me off. i have failed at, i'm starting to think i couldn't grow dandelions <laughs> i have i have failed at so many attempts at food plots i don't even it's it's it's, it's not even worth talking about <laughs> clearly I'm so angry <laughs> this year it didn't pour rain mm-hmm. in june and i was able like i think it was right at the beginning of june because clearly you know it's always 20 degrees on mother's day right so i wasn't able to plant then when everyone in ohio can so beginning of june i get this beautiful garden planted and it's just it's pristine and then we get into like i think it was like mid-july or something when all this rain it i guess that's our wet season now or so i don't know but um it poured and poured and poured and it was like every day for a while and then I had weeds and then now the weeds have me basically. I mean, it's like <laughs> really bad. Like I'm pretty sure my entire garden's ruined other than the new bean patch that I planted at the end of July. Oh, geez. Oh, so, yeah, it's pretty depressing. When I was at your house the other day, we went out back and I was like, Chris, you're really good at growing these weeds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty much just going to either trim it down with a, um, the old weed whacker. Or maybe have somebody pay me a little bit of money to bail it or something. I don't say tell people it's Timothy (laughs) and you're just going to bail it when you're ready. (laughs) It's a food plot. Damn it. Um, So yeah, you're uh, Josh, you're headed what to Oklahoma this year and possibly did you rule out the hog hunt in Texas? Yeah, I wrote out the hog hunt in Texas. I actually just wrote it out the other day. Okay. We only have a few days there, and then uh, my sister-in-law, her fiance, is kind of in charge of planning it, but he's never really hunted or done anything like that. So the planning aspect of it kind of was just like down the track. Okay. So the logistics didn't really work out as far as okay shipping the meat back and doing all that. I'm like, I'm paying five five dollars a pound for wild boar. I'm not doing that. That's, right. That's been worked out. Um. But yes, I am going to Oklahoma the first week of November, and I've never been hunting in Oklahoma, so I'm really stoked about that trip. That'll be awesome. That'll be that'll that be that should a hell be a trip. good time. Yeah. So I I know some guys that are going out the same place the week before, and then we're going out there the week right after a group of guys that we know. And I I'm, I think that their rut is essentially the same time as ours, right? Is it? But, I believe well, so. I, I, I don't think they're south enough to have that January rut, yeah. uh, but no, I'm, I may be wrong. Yeah, I don't. I never know about the south because there's some of them rut in December, 
and others rut in January, yeah. and then Florida ruts basically whenever round, they yeah. want. Um, I think we'll literally. get up here like the, the panhandle, like pretty close to the Texas border. Up, up. You're pretty far north. Yeah. Um, it should be relatively around the same time as ours, I would imagine. I would think. I would assume so. You're going to, man, first week in November. Man, I hope you have a buck down before that here I, in Ohio. I really hope so, too. Because my, my that's, yeah. that's the best, in my opinion. If I was to tell anybody, you know, what week should I take off? Halloween through November 6th, November 7th, hands down. I'm not saying that you can't have great success the entire month of November and into December even in gun season, but, man, that first week of November, they just – they can't take it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's not even peak rut, but they just – they can't take it. They they get stupid. That's, that's yeah. the majority of my deer. I mean, my buck I killed last year was November 8th. Uh, the buck I killed – a few years before that was November. That was actually a little bit later. It was November 11th, I believe. And then the buck I go prior to that was on November 2nd. So that first week in in, in around Ohio is a killer week. Oh Three. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you going anywhere special this year, Grit? Um, Southern Ohio. Southern yeah. Ohio. That's pretty yeah, special. It's, well, it's special to me. Yeah. <laughs> special to a lot of people all over the United States. Yeah. Of well, like I tell people, you know, as an educator, um, I get a fair amount of vacation time. I just can't pick and choose when it is. So, um, <laughs> you know, not a, not a lot of prime whitetail hunting going on in June, July, and August. So, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so I have to, I have to, which is again, kind of why I, I still think that time in the woods is, is, it's so near and dear to me because I mm. can't go whenever I want, you know, I have to wait. Yeah. And I think that that, I think that if I had the entire season off, uh, I think it would lose some of its, some of its luster because I would be able to go, you know, I don't know what, right. I don't know what kind of shape I'll be in when I finally do get to retire. You know, and I joke all the time, you know, what are you going to do when you retire? And I said, I'm going to go hunt, you know, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I don't know if I would go every day just because I think only having Saturdays and Sundays to go uh, for the most part, you know, I, I get Thanksgiving, I get a few days there and then over Christmas break, I get a bunch of time to go. But, but uh, you know, by then, you know, that, that, that magic two weeks is come and gone. Yeah. Um, but no, I can't, uh, I can't afford to, to take uh, the, non-paid days to go which they told me i could do that as long as i just didn't want to get paid for those days that i missed and uh, i you know with the son uh at, at ohio state i i kind of need that income um mm-hmm. to keep him yeah. to keep him going so you know and also to Heck you know yeah. keep the lights on here and all that good stuff so yeah actually bob walker and i were talking about i was when he was my principal a few years ago I said, say if, say if I wanted to go on an elk trip, um, what could I do? And he said, well, you've got three personal days. And I said, I'm pretty sure I'm going to need more than three days. And he said, well, you could, we could dock you the pay. And I said, well, that answers my question. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So, he's uh, he's talking about trying to trying to do something out west now that's funny that you yeah well that see up. he's a principal so he may he may right. have some more freedoms and latitude that that i a as more. a simple classroom <laughs> a more as i like to tell my kids as a simple anatomy teacher 
you know, I really can't, I really can't do that. So yeah, I'll be sticking yeah. here to uh, Southern Ohio and I'll be putting in my weekends and uh, hopefully things will go well. So also I got to bring this up. I don't know how this isn't a subject and grip didn't even say anything, but we are speaking with a published gentleman here. Um, he has written a book and I'd like you to tell us about that book. a little so, bit. So, uh, well, how much time do you have? Um, cause well, I mean, don't quote the whole well, no, damn thing, but, but I'll give you, know, you the, tell us a little bit. So about it. We got all the time in the world. It actually has a little bit of archery involved in the, in the story of how it became, uh, how the book became. So, um, when I first started teaching way back in the early nineties, um, you know, as most young teachers are, I was gung ho and ready to go. You know, I was going to change the world and, and I was excited about <laughs> my career and I, my wife and I shot in a mixed couples league at uh, a local archery shop and the owner of the, at the shop at the time would always ask me, you know, how, how's school going? He knew, you know, he knew me when I was in college. And so he knew that I'd started my career and all that. So we'd always say, how's school going? And we'd talk about it. And I would say, listen to what this kid said today. And we would have a good laugh. And then we would go shoot our Friday night mixed couples league. And then it got to the point where I would have people laughing and every Friday night it would turn into a little comedy routine about the stupid things that these teenagers would say to me. Whether it was answers to my questions or questions they're asking me or whatever it was, you know, and I always tell people, you just, you can't make this stuff up. So I started, uh, it, it, like I said, it, I'd come in there and they go, all right, Grip, tell us what happened. what they say this week? And I'd do my little mini stand-up comedy routine and we'd all have a good laugh and go shoot. And then one week, I can't, I don't, I don't know if it was the, it was a full moon or all the planets were aligned or whatever, but it was just one unbelievably dumb statement <laughs> after another. And after probably about four or five of them, I said, I'm never going to be able to remember these come Friday night. You know, I got fans at the, at the archery shop. I got people to think about. <laughs> so I started writing them down. And as I started writing them down, well, I just kept writing them down. And we were sitting in the teacher's lounge and you know, I went, I did this for a few months and we were sitting in the teacher's lounge and one of these, you know, this guy had, he was one or two years away from retirement. You know, he's like me, he was an old guy now. And he said, uh, Hey, I heard you're writing down all the stupid stuff that uh, kids say around you. I said, yeah. And he goes, man, let me tell you. If I had written down all the dumb shit I'd heard over my course of my career, I'd been able to write a freaking book. And I went, hmm, you know, they told me <laughs> to learn from your, uh, the elders. They told me to pay attention to the experienced teachers. And so I thought, you know what, I, I might look into that. So I collected statements for about 15 years. And then finally I sat down and I started Jeez. typing them up. And uh, wow. I found a uh, publisher that said, yeah, we'll publish your work. And that's what my book is about. And it's called, I call it, it's a good bathroom book because it's just, it's just a collection of their quotes and my smart aleck comment back to them. And, uh, <laughs> it, you know, there's no character development. There's no plot. You can read a couple pages and put it down and come back in three days and you haven't missed anything. But it's called, what did you say? Because invariably when they say something stupid, my initial response is, what, what did you just say? And they repeat <laughs> it back to me and I jot it down. And so 
yeah, that's that's my book. So nice, man. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I hear it's so pretty funny. On your way I to... think it's funny, but uh, you know, I might I may be biased. So so Grip's probably got like more money than all of us, man. He's a published that guy. Is, that's wow. that's highly debatable. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm pretty, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to talk with you for hours. I know that, you know, before I got in, a lot of people, you know, wonder a little bit, um, you know, how a guy might come to doing his own bow work. Well, one of the people right here, grip teaching me how to work on bows and stuff. So I'd be like, Hey, you want to work on some bows this Friday night? Yep. Yeah, come on. So I bring a couple six packs over and literally, I mean, just like we're kind of doing now, we should have recorded it. We should just record everything because you can sit there and I, uh, you know, again, I, I say this all the time, but people tell deer stories and turkey hunting stories and fishing adventure stories and all that. I can just sit there like a five-year-old kid yeah, we just all love stories. listening all night. So me and Grip, you know, we'd hang out drink you know four five six beers do some bow work tell unlimited amounts of deer stories and then he'd build a fire and more beer more deer stories we'd call in the local bar house yeah oh you beat me to it then then i'd i'd say okay i should probably you know it's twelve thirty or 1 a.m or whatever i should probably get home and then we'd spend an hour and a half screwing with the house <laughs> <laughs> we'd have them freaking going nuts and landing in the trees right over top yeah, of us and yeah. everything but uh yeah well, it's it's a good time if so. i'm not mistaken i think i took you to your first national shoot you yeah. did oh yeah. my god you want to talk about you, if you think rick turkey hunting <laughs> is nervous that ain't <laughs> shit i'll never forget those butterflies i'm like oh my god you know what am i what am i going to do and now i look back and i'm like damn man that was i should have smoked that shoot it wasn't hard but i was I was nervous as hell. And then, you know, I get out there and you learn a lot though. Um, It's crazy how you pick up little tricks from all these people to control your pin size. And, you know, I mean, I had, uh, I had a buddy teach me, um, you know, about the bubble and everything. Like a lot of people don't really pay attention to that bubble and, that damn bubble. Oh yeah. That thing's as important as anything, mm-hmm. especially my God, I can't say it enough from a tree stand. And I don't care how close you are. Yeah. It's less when you're at 15 or 20 yards, but man, you put a little torque in that riser and then screw that bubble up, buddy. You can, you can be off 18 inches. I mean, you can, you can come way off that target big time at, 20 yards so uh but just all the little tricks i learned and uh that that day i learned that i needed a shooting partner that's when i started to really think like i need somebody you know i thought that i could shoot with grip and i'd be good but i i couldn't he's on a different course so i kind of screwed the pooch there but um could have shot on my course all you had to do was get in my glass I ain't that I'm not that good now. So I sure as hell wasn't gonna do it. I was a lowly hunter class guy just trying to make my way. Isn't there a hitch partner? What's that? that? Class? 
Is it senior? Oh, now I it think... is. It, I mean, it would be senior because I'm old now. <laughs> but when I took him, I wasn't that old yet, and so I was. He wasn't I was shooting an MBR back then. Yeah. What are you now? You senior open? Yeah. Yeah. Same yeah. state. How's that single? How's that single up been treating you? It took it took me a little bit to get used to being being able to think of a number instead of just yeah thinking. Pins. Yeah. It is a completely different game. That's what like. Um, you know, not to take anything away from the, the, uh, the up pin guys, but, um, I, I think more than likely if I do shoot next year, I'm going to go BBO and, and go single up pin. And I think you'll see a lot different results, uh, w- with using pins, man, you're, you're a badass when you, if you can go and shoot even or up from the red or the green stake or the blue stake or whatever, and, uh, use pins you're you're pretty damn good archer because um, you can't a lot of people don't understand you have certain yardages and you can't just stack five or ten pins in your sight you know you if you're lucky you can have at the most of four some people like grip i think you ran three is that right uh on the MBR? yeah the best yeah i ran three you didn't start until like 27 yards right my top pin was 26 yards. 26 yeah. yards, and what'd you go to about 33, 34? I had a, a 26, a 35, 36 ish, and then my bottom was was 45. Holy shit! Yeah. Now that was out of the expedite, and the expedite was spitting them out of there pretty fast. Yeah. So they were they were pretty close together. Um. So, but a lot of people don't get like your you're putting that pin somewhere. You're not, you're not aiming generally, you're not aiming right at it. You're not aiming right at the X. You're, you're, you're putting a little high, a little low, sometimes yes, a lot higher, a lot low, especially when you, I mean, if you're only running three pins, uh, but that said, you slap long bars on a bow and then, you know, put a little two or three X, four X lens on that thing with a single up pin. And, Oh, that's, it was amazing. We, we had our, uh, our archery season canceled and I went to a hunter setup, hunting setup and my pins as a result spread way out. And I'm like, damn man, like shots are breaking great. I can see this is, this is crazy. And, uh, man, I'll, I'll be excited to do it if, if I do, but there'll, there'll be some, uh, circumstances that'll either have me go with that or or just keep me from doing it um i gotta gauge how all this covid stuff you know i'm not my wife's about ready to like kill everybody i'm pretty sure she's dealing (laughs) with all these people and stuff man and i just i can't see being away that much while she's taking care of a six then you know she'll be seven year old and then a one year old that's a lot um and she'll be walking by then colleen will so uh i don't want to stick her with that unless it's going to be like absolutely worth it this year was kind of a flop i i was shite so but uh yeah man i i i think it's really cool you know it's it's neat to look at um each one of you guys i mean everybody you know it was it was kind of the goal i knew it was going to come to this after a little while 
trying to get people to film and uh when i made that post and everything talking about getting people for the film team um i didn't know what to expect and boy do we have some doozies mm-hmm. in there like we got guys from freaking alaska and florida and montana and indiana and That's cool. i mean we've got some dudes that throw down some epic stuff so hopefully we can get some cool stuff on film i'll i'll be you know whether we're filming or not i'm always rooting for you guys but man i'm gonna be rooting a little extra hard this year i i'll be waiting for those text messages and phone calls <laughs> when you t- you're in the stand and you just shot a buck or you know whatever um and i'm hoping to send one i'm i am hoping that i, I yes. get one from you and if i'm lucky to be with any of you uh when you kill a buck or whatever i apologize for the physical abuse that you take <laughs> um, but it is uh it is inevitable so, so um any so, concluders yanni i was gonna say any concluders for anybody um <laughs> concluders for me are same thing as always uh practice shooting with your bow make sure you're proficient i was out before the podcast tonight uh slinging arrows and making sure i'm sighted in and if you are setting stands limb uh use your harnesses use your lines make sure all your stuff works and is in uh, proper order before you climb in that stand the first day of the season otherwise it's going to be a bad time so absolutely be safe out in the woods how about you guys you got anything josh uh yeah, I'm. I'm just really excited for our film team this year. I think, I think we got a lot of good guys, a lot of killers, and I think we're going to lay down some good footage. I know for all those waiting um, for stuff to hit our YouTube, we got videos coming. I know Chris is editing videos, and then I'll probably get into a little bit of editing editing as well. Um, I know Chris. I told you that I wanted to do a breakdown of my hunt yeah. last year, like a breakdown of um, how I approached the land. And wind direction and then i'll have an aerial map and then go sure. over all that um so there, there's a lot of good stuff coming on yeah, the YouTube side. Heck yeah grip yeah i'm excited about uh the opportunity to try to self-film since again a lot of mine are i you know i can't dedicate a whole lot of time uh i i'm not opposed to filming someone or uh or being filmed either you know that's fine too and i'm pretty sure that uh the landowner on the the one property will have no problem okay. with a uh, with somebody coming with me, but um, but yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of anxious. I, I don't know if you saw my picture about my, I did. I'm calling it the predator. Mount, I can't the stop thinking the, about uh, it. It's so cool. The GoPro sits right here. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, it should. I haven't shot with it yet. I just got it put together today. But I'm hoping it looks that it looks right down my left arm oh. and will kind of look right through the riser. So, That'll be sick. Uh, I'm hoping here soon I'll be able to practice with it and see how it goes. Dude, what? And I'll have the tactic cam going. So yeah, nice. what do you guys see? What Bob Walker got? This dude, dude, he he's got to know Santa. This dude had Christmas <laughs> today. He got. Yeah, he was telling. Oh me. my God! It looked like a damn Radio Shack in the back of his truck. <laughs> he got a Canon G60. You heard me correct. Ooh. Six zero. I want to say, I think he said the sensor in it is four times 
what the 50 is, something crazy. So basically he could film in pitch black uh, and it'll be like, oh, it's bright. Um, <laughs> he got uh, the DJI mini. It's basically a GoPro, but smaller oh, the DJI uh, mini facing screen. Yeah, that's what the guy I surfcast with uses and his, his stuff is okay. ridiculous. Yeah. And then he also got basically a shotgun mic that's like out of this world. I mean, dude, dude's going to be the next. Sounds like Bob Walker's wanting to be the key cameraman for everything. <laughs> That's what I told him. I was like, well, guess who's getting an invite to film me? Um, uh, he's going to be a damn Southern Ohio Donnie Vincent by the time we're done, man. Um, filming orcas and shit on there. Oh, man. I'm excited he's got all that stuff because we'll be able to compare – his high quality stuff with the setup yeah. that you and I will be running. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how that goes. And again, you know, do I think that so for for those that that don't know, um, I, I purchased a lens which I will not disclose yet because I want my damn views. Everybody was asking me the name, and I'm like, not yet, buddy. <laughs> We're doing a little how-to video and putting it up on YouTube, and you can watch everything. But um, that said, I purchased a lens that goes into a case for my, my uh, iPhone uh, 11 Pro Max. And uh, essentially, um, it gives me a pretty good zoom as a bow hunter, gun hunting out at you know, 80, 100, 200 yards. Uh, clearly, it's not going to work. But what I learned is that... Um, 4k is four times the size of 1080p so if i have the deer it, i can crop my phone footage by 400 percent, or you know digitally zoom and still be in 1080p so uh i i got this thing and i'm i'm looking at 40 and 50 yards and thinking my god if i if i crop it that much it's it's still going to look great so mm-hmm. uh everything looked great in the regular daylight but I had that, you know, that low light test. I had to do it. And uh, I downloaded an app that allowed me to control the camera on my phone, just like you would a DSLR, control the shutter speed and the whole nine. It's, wow, it's, nice. it's incredible. And uh, that paired with this lens, it's insane. Now, is it perfect? No. I'd love to have a $1,500, $2,000 camera and all that. But I think there's a lot of guys in the same boat that would rather spend two, 300 bucks and be filming pretty high quality stuff. And to, to be clear, that video I took the other night wasn't terrible at all. I mean, it was solid footage for what I would call nighttime footage. We were two minutes away from last legal light, which I can tell you, I was reviewing some of the footage uh, from a Canon G20 that I used last year and it stacked up. No, no problem. Um, you know, around the same time uh, of night, so um, or evening, I guess I should put it. I'm not a spotlight poacher for everybody that's wondering. Um, but uh, so I'm pretty excited to, uh, you know, maybe get together with Josh even and film that. Have you figured out when you're going to order that? So they're sold out of the size I need for my phone because I don't have the Pro Max. Oh, uh, so you just need to get a new phone too then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I paid off 
and so I won't be getting one for a while. But I need to contact them and see when I get that in stock because as soon as they do, then I'm gonna order. Yeah. Well, I've got an iPhone six. Would I need a new you phone? You would need seven <laughs> new phones. Okay, all right. Just making sure. <laughs> an iPhone six still, damn. That's uh. Yeah. I remember 2016. Still, yeah, still I think. Hey, I get my money out of it. <laughs> get well. I mean, hell yeah. That's why if I can make this phone last um, through not this deer season, but the next, I could probably turn around and sell it for a good pretty penny because we do the payment thing or whatever where you get it every two years and you yeah, know whatever. Yeah. But uh, if you pay it all the way off, then you can sell that little bastard and make a little coin. So I'll probably try to do that if I can, but they come out with such cool stuff. I'm not going to be able to resist every probably. year. That's how they hook you. Um, so yeah. I, I guess, um, it, you know, my my concluder would be sort of a lesson I learned the other day. Um, I've been e-scouting a lot, probably more than most people should. And um, last night I stayed up till 2.30 a.m., uh, <laughs> partially because my kid won't freaking sleep. But uh, I wanted my wife to have, you know, a good stint and uh while we failed at that because she screams very loudly um i was at least able to go in there and put her down and everything but that said i scrolled through nebraska and wyoming in the units i'm hunting and was picking out water tanks and i have to say they're pretty easy to see it's something you know every single successful mule deer hunt uh, I, I guess I should add the emphasis that is non-outfitted um, that I've seen on YouTube uh, seems to have a water tank in the story of some sort. And so I thought, well, you know, clearly. And then I talked to people and they're like, well, dude, you need to find food and water. You know, it's hot. They're going to need water. And so I went through there and, and uh, it's actually quite amazing. So anybody planning trips out west, um, you know, get on those water tanks and uh, maybe look for um, good high glassing points around those water tanks. That's kind of what I've been doing now. I'm coming at you as a very unexperienced guy, so hopefully I can come back and say, hey, I killed this gorgeous velvet muley buck doing what I talked to you about. But um, at any rate, we'll, we'll keep that as my concluder, yeah. I guess. We'll know in a few weeks. So. Yeah, you'll know in about uh, two and a half weeks. Good deal. Good deal. Hopefully sooner. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. And, yeah, very uh, much. Yeah. Thanks for having so, uh, Anytime. This has been Fueled by the Outdoors. We've been your hosts, Rick Cates and Chris Leppert. And happy to talk to you all, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. See you. Later. do it for our podcast today please remember to subscribe like review on all major podcasting platforms we are available on apple google TuneIn, Castbox, spotify and all other major podcasting platforms as always we are available for contact at the elite outdoors one at gmail.com that is the elite outdoors the number one at gmail.com thanks a lot guys talk to you next time Thank you.